All of it is supported by Missouri, makers of handcrafted jewelry that's made to last. Looking for the perfect Mother's Day present? Missouri has you covered. Get free shipping on all orders in the U.S. and Canada, plus a two-year warranty. Head to Missouri.com slash all of it or use code all of it for 10% off your first order. That's M-E-J-U-R-I dot com slash all of it. Listener supported. WNYC Studios. The film Bad Education had its world premiere at the Toronto Film Festival last fall, but it's a thoroughly New York story. It was one of the highly anticipated films screening at this year's Tribeca Film Festival and one of the few with a set-wide release. Based on real-life events, which many of you may remember because it's a story ripped from the Long Island headlines. The year is 2002, and the film follows Frank Tassoni, played by Hugh Jackman, sporting a series of suave suits. He's deploying this New York accent and a wolfish smile. He is the beloved superintendent of a high-achieving Roslyn District School where he is charming and personable. He knows all the students by name, and he often touts the high number of Ivy League acceptances. But Tassoni's living a double life, or rather several double lives. He, along with the assistant superintendent, Pam Gluckman, played by Academy Award winner Allison Janney, they're implicated in a massive embezzlement scheme that is first uncovered by a student journalist, one who he initially encourages to write a more engaging story about the high school's new skywalk. The case at the Roslyn School District turned out to be the largest school theft in history, totaling $11 million in stolen funds. Bad Education is a nuanced take on class and image with a screenplay by Mike Mikowski, who was a Roslyn Middle School student during the scandal, and is directed by Corey Finley, the writer-director behind the 2017 film Thoroughbreds about the dark side of suburbia. We're featuring it as part of our Tribeca-ish series, featuring films that were slated to screen at the Tribeca Film Festival. And you can watch Bad Education this Saturday at 8 p.m. on HBO, and director Corey Finley joins me now. Corey, welcome to all of it. Thank you so much for having me. Good to be here. You credit Rob Coker's New York Magazine article for being a real source for this film. This story was widely reported when it broke. What was it about his reporting that drew you to it? Sure. Well, actually, I read the screenplay before I ever read the article um, on which it was partly based. So I I came to learn about the story first that way, uh, through the screenplay by Mike Mikowski, who you mentioned, uh, was in Roslyn Middle School when this uh, event broke, and it was one of the kind of shaping events of his childhood. Uh, And it's just an absolutely wild story. And um, I'm always really drawn to projects, to movies that... uh, have an interesting mix of tones. So my first movie, Thoroughbreds, we tried to kind of straddle the line between a psychological thriller and a dark comedy. Uh, And this time around, this movie felt like a real mix of, uh, again, black comedy and kind of a Greek tragedy. It was this story of, uh, uh, in some ways, a larger-than-life character in a a very... uh, sort of uh, small town setting to some degree, uh, who had enormous ambitions and eventually was brought down by those ambitions. What was something about these settings, these cultures of suburbia, the dark side of suburbia, that you think is rich for storytelling and is rich for you as a director? Yeah, well, it's a world with which I have some familiarity. I actually grew up uh, in a a suburb outside of St. Louis, Clayton, uh, which had some similarities, I think, to Roslyn. Um, And I was particularly interested in the ways that this movie – kind of let me talk obliquely about class. I think um, the public school system in the U.S. is a, a very interesting one, and there's a, a 
kind of an, a unique relationship between property values and um, funding of the schools that is not the case in, in a lot of other countries. It's something I had to kind of explain to some of our more international uh, cast and crew members. Um, but I'm always interested in these kind of class issues, and I feel like it's a world um, that I come from and that I'm familiar with. And um, and so it's uh, it, it was just an interesting milieu in which to kind of explore these ideas. Because that's one of the things in the script, which is so interesting, is when they, and it happens fairly early on, and people, especially in this area, know this story, when it becomes clear that there's been this theft, there's this moment when sort of the town elders decide, maybe we want to sweep this under the carpet because of property values. Yeah, I think uh, my collaborator, Mike script did a really good job of, of kind of hitting that point with nuance. And um and, and that is something that, that really happened. There was kind of a, a cover-up uh, midway through this scandal that I won't get too deep into the spoilers mm-hmm. of. But, um, but yeah, this was uh, uh, just a, a sort of one of those cases of the truth being stranger and twistier than fiction and uh, kind of following the real contours of this um, of the scandal, which with kind of as, as little embellishment as possible, ended up providing us with this really um, interesting kind of twisty story. My guess is Corey Finley. He's the director of Bad Education, which you can see on HBO this Saturday. So Hugh Jackman is getting really, he's getting rave reviews for this performance. What was your, your working relationship like with him? It was great. So I think people, uh, people often associate Hugh with his kind of uh, hyper-muscular superhero roles and his sort of... Uh, prodigious kind of song and dance skills and he is incredible at both of those but what people may not know is he puts just as much preparation into this sort of a more kind of subdued dramatic role uh, as he does to those and and all the hours that I think he would probably spend in, in dance rehearsals or bodybuilding for previous films he um, he really really dug into research and spent some time speaking with um, actual superintendents and heads of school and, and just really really pouring over the research um, around this event and, and about the time and place and um, really was able to, to capture this character, I think, with a lot of empathy and a lot of nuance. And, and um, I hope that'll be a, a kind of a new surprising side of Hugh for, for his fans. I think it's interesting. You have these, these great actors, Allison Janney, as I mentioned, Ray Romano as the school board uh, president, and everyone, including Hugh Jackman, really leans into the accent. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Tell me a little. Well, did you have voice coaches, or did <laughs> uh, did you? And how did you how did you know when it wasn't wandering into parody? Yeah, it's something we thought a lot about. Um, and Hugh has a fantastic voice coach that he's worked with um, for a long time. And um, and then you know we also had the benefit again of, of our screenwriter coming from this exact uh, exact town. And um, he was able to, to be one of our kind of, uh, you know, Long Island consultants, <laughs> making sure that we weren't ever uh, veering over into parody. Uh, you know, Ray actually is from the tri-state area, so he didn't have to uh, uh, reach quite as far to reach that accent. But, um, but yeah, I mean, nothing will, will take you out of the reality of a, a story, particularly kind of a grounded one, uh, like a mishmash of terrible accents. So I think we're lucky that... Uh, that we had some great actors and, and, uh, and some good dialect coaches. Let's listen to a clip. This is from a uh, scene from the board meeting. Um, let's take a listen. This is from Bad Education. Just put the phone away, Bob. And why should he? Because we will lose everything. 
What do you mean, Frank? Once word gets out about Pam, we're, we're inviting the Times, Newsday, and every other paper in the tri-state area to our front door. With all due respect, screw the papers. This is a very real crime here, a theft of taxpayer money. Judy, you served on the school board for how long? Seven years? Eight, proudly. Okay. And in eight years, how many times has our budget been passed by taxpayers without incident? Eight. Right. So what happens when our next budget goes up for approval in May? The budget that we've worked all year on, the stimulus that gets us the skywalk, that gets us to first. What happens? I get what he's saying. I mean, how's it going to look? A school employee is able to take hundreds of thousands of dollars from the offer without anyone noticing. Why would we pump more money into the school system? Right, if a scandal this size breaks out, I mean, our budget is torpedoed, done. We arrive back at square one. I don't know. You can't pay the teachers. Maybe they start migrating out. Whoa, this can't affect the colleges, huh? Yeah, I think we'd have to expect that admissions at top-tier schools would view us under a radically different lens, yeah? No, wait. Wh wh why would they ever? If they smell trouble, then they... I don't know, they might decide to lay off Roslyn kids for a while. Yeses can become noes overnight. I've, I've heard of that happening before. So, anyway, let's just... Let's tease this out, okay? We don't perform. We go down to the rankings. And then our sister schools knows us out of the top 10, top 100. Science and Jericho, those sons of And that's when we start seeing property values adversely affected. That is from Bad Education. I'm speaking with the director, Corey Finley. As you mentioned, there is comedy in this. Even as you're Definitely. trying to ha have this, this sort of exploration of class and image and how far would you go and what would you accept, there are those comedic elements. Why did you want to make sure that was, I mean, I know it's in the script, but it's also in the directing. Yeah, I mean, I, I think life is inherently pretty funny, and as soon as you sort of back up enough to get a, a clear view of things, you often can't help but laugh, even at very serious uh, issues. And I tend to kind of check out of movies when there's no element of humor at all, but we really tried to make sure that, that humor was grounded in truth and, and often kind of grounded in sadness and in pain, but that it was an entertaining movie. And um, I think, you know, as far as thinking about... Uh, direction with the actors generally i think when we had sort of funny moments we tried to just have the actors kind of believe as much as possible in what they were saying and in what they wanted and um you know out of that conviction comes hopefully a very truthful and and kind of um destabilizing kind of comedy so this story took place almost 20 years ago what were some of mm -hmm. the cultural elements from the early 2000s that played into the story and that you were able to use as a director uh, sure. So, so, so uh, cultural elements, I, I hope this is kind of answering the question. There was definitely a very particular kind of aesthetic uh, to mm -hmm. the early 2000s. And I, um, you know, I kind of grew up in that era. I, I don't think of it as sort of a different era from where we are right now. It feels like only yesterday. But when we actually started sitting down with my costume designer and production designer and looking at reference images, it, we realized we really were making a period movie. And uh, everything from sort of the, the cut of jeans in the students mm -hmm. in, in the early 2000s to the, the screensavers on the kind of period, you know, uh, computers in the office, uh, everything felt very of a different time and really brought you back to that time. What was something, you know, you've got these, these spectacular actors, you've got this really great story. What was something that was challenging about making this film? Uh, well, it, it sort of feeds back into something we were speaking about earlier, but just managing the tone. Um, you know, some of, uh, two of my favorite directors, the Coen brothers, have described the, the craft of directing as tone management. Uh, hmm. Tone is one of those things that's kind of hard to... Uh, 
hard to define, but you know it when you see it. And uh, this is a movie that definitely uh, played with kind of a deliberately unstable tone. There are times when we really wanted you to laugh. There are times when we wanted the movie to really hit you. And um, when you get that balance right, I think the comedy sort of feeds into the tragedy. But, uh, you know, there's definitely a, a risk of sort of mismanaging your, your various tones. So that was something partly that we figured out in the editing room and, um, hmm. you know, really through kind of trying out different, uh, different cuts and, and really honing in on what we wanted the movie to, to feel like. Because people do know the story, especially in the New York City area, how do you think yeah. dramatizing the story might change or change our understanding of what happened? Yeah, well, it's a great question. And, you know, this is, uh, this is kind of a painful part of, of history for a lot of the parties involved. And we didn't want to make this movie to, uh, you know, sort of cast further blame at, at uh, people that had already been blamed or to try to say anything negative about this particular community. Um, rather, I saw it as a really interesting kind of parable. And, um, you know, we wanted to build in some ambiguity. So hopefully there's a lot of lessons take away from it. But one of the things that really got me is, um, you know, just how easy it is to, um, to overlook wrongdoing when the wrongdoers are in some way serving your own best interests. And then just, you know, sort of an eternal theme for me is the importance of empathy, even for people uh, that it's hard to empathize with. And so we wanted to make this as, as empathetic and as complex a movie as we could. Bad Education. You can watch it on HBO Saturday at 8 p.m. Corey Finley, thank you so much for being with us. Thank you, and stay safe. All of it is supported by Missouri, makers of handcrafted, ethically sourced jewelry for every day that's made to last. Looking for the perfect Mother's Day present? Missouri has taken the guesswork out of gifting, offering everything from dainty 14K solid gold pieces to pearls, diamonds, gemstones, and more. Make it personal with an engraving, or if you can't decide, check out their curated gift guide. Let them take care of the rest, gift wrapping included. Get free shipping on all orders in the U.S. and Canada, plus easy returns and a two-year warranty. Head to Missouri.com slash all of it or use code all of it for 10% off your first order. That's M-E-J-U-R-I dot com slash all of it.